Do you believe in miracles? Seriously, do you, do you believe in miracles? Our modern Western civilization was the first culture to really reject miracles, saying that God just doesn't do that anymore. It, it started with an anti-supernaturalist assumption. That's actually a vicious cycle. Oh, and it involves circular reasoning that's not really even scientific. Now, you may not know this, but your philosophical great-great-great-grandparent is David Hume. He's the father of anti-supernaturalism. That sort of thing just doesn't happen. We live in a material world, and that's all there is. And the way he communicated that, he said that, that uniform human experience shows that we can't ever expect a miracle to happen. And when you come up with credible eyewitnesses to miracles, they can't be accepted because uniform human experience shows that we can't ever expect a miracle, right? It's, a, it's an assumption beforehand that miracles can't be involved in the discussion. And so they're dismissed out of hand. Now, your philosophical grandfather, who's a little more recent, is Rudolf Bultmann. And he said things like this, mature modern people don't believe in miracles. Well, it's interesting, 80% of Americans believe in miracles and the rest of the world uh, does too. In fact, you know, I guess all of, all of us are considered ignorant, gullible brutes. The Christians in the global south are very interested in miracles. In fact, rely upon them. That's their only resource. God, would you do a thing right now? Eyewitness reports um, continually come in about miracles. And whatever their sources, we don't need to assume anti-supernaturalism. We don't have to say uh, that modern mature people don't believe in miracles. It's it's true. You you can't start from the foundation that uniform human experience excludes miracles when so many people report and rely upon miracles. And so open-minded people might consider being open-minded to God's interaction with his creation. Don't rule out the possibilities because of your narrow experience. In fact, there are millions of people in China who didn't even start with a Christian worldview, but have experienced a miracle and started following Jesus. They didn't come with the assumption and, and a desire, and it wasn't just wish fulfillment. It wasn't just psychosomatic transition in their body. And, oh, wow, so now I, I believed it, and so now it became a reality. This is just part of the Christian story. But for most of human history, there wasn't a divide between even natural and supernatural, right? Anti-supernaturalism, uh, so a divide between natural and supernatural. In fact, it wouldn't even be considered a miracle. You know, that we, we consider that going against a natural law or something like that. It wouldn't be considered a miracle. It was called a sign and a wonder. I wonder, you would be appropriately astonished by the work of God, and it would be a sign. It would point to the message and the messenger. Back then, back in Bible times, 
It was God's world. It wasn't a natural world and a supernatural world. It was God's world. And just want to let you know, it still is. <laughs> no matter what your great-great-grandpa says, and no matter what, what your great-grandpa says, uh, mature modern people accept that God is active in his world. That's what it means to be a natural world. In fact, it's only natural that God should step in to shape human events. But that's actually part of our frustration and disappointment, isn't it? Why doesn't God step in right here, right now? Why does he seem to be so sparing in his uh, moments where he steps in to, to relieve our pain and our suffering? I want to explore Acts chapter 3, 1 through 11. These are beautiful verses, a, a passage, a story about the early followers of Jesus, how they experienced the wonders and the signs of the Spirit of God working through his followers. It, it was a sign that they needed to listen to the apostles and place their believing loyalty in Jesus the Messiah. The Messiah is the, the Christ, the, the expected royal king who would come and put all things to rights. Let me read this from Acts chapter 3. Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Let me stop. We had just come out of a passage that says, and many wonders and signs have, have been done, and they met in the temple courts to pray and break bread. This is a follow-on of that, isn't it? It's, it's a one time. Let me just tell you one of those stories. And so he says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That's about three in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. A very normal situation. Alms giving or, or charitable giving was a normal part of of everyday life and an expectation among the Jewish people that you give as a part of your worship. And so to gather at the gate of the temple tells one part of the story, which is that's where people are going to be and they're going to give me the goods. The second part of the story is he wasn't allowed in because of his brokenness and deformity. More on that later. So he was seeking alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, the Messiah of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's, astounded. Ooh, I need to know the story about 
this. So you got the scene. They're headed to the prayers, daily prayers. Christians now, followers of Jesus who believe that Jesus has completed the story of Israel, have gathered. Other people who are Jewish and are there just to worship according to the daily prayers as well, who haven't attached themselves to Jesus the Messiah through believing loyalty. Okay, Jesus is our Messiah. He's the one who is to rescue Israel and be a blessing to the world. There were those who had not uh, assumed that position. And so we find ourselves here. They, this this dr very dramatic thing happens, very well attested to. A man born lame. Wow, that's as lame as it gets, right? So he's there and and he's he's reaching up, probably just kind of has it. He looks up and is like, "Hey, can I have some 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 money?" And he doesn't know even know what he's about to receive, does he? And they grab him by the right hand and raised him up and his feet and ankles become strong. I mean, this is a spectacle. This is a sign and a wonder. Walking and leaping and praising God. And everybody gathers around to find out what is going on. And it's, a, it's a very beautiful story. And it's interesting that this can't be, have been the first healing that Peter and John had been a part of. Uh, well, of course, with Jesus, as they walked with Jesus, they saw those things happen. This is a, shown as like a test case, like one day, let me just tell you this story as a case in point about the wonders and signs and awes that were done among the people. I love this one thought. Remember uh, last week we talked about how every, they didn't have any money. They didn't have, uh, if anybody didn't have possessions, they just sold something and, and shared. Peter and James and John and the apostles, they were from outside the city and now they're in the city. Isn't this kind of amazing? They're in the city, and they haven't been fishing in a while, have they? And so they have no money. So I don't think it's like Peter and John going like, oh, man, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot my wallet. I'm not there. I, I think they may have just actually been poor. I don't, I don't have anything. I live in my community of people. There's, an, a, there's a beauty to that, isn't there? There's a, there's a sense that they, we've been living in there. We've been eating in homes day to day. What do I need for money? But what I do have, I give you. And so what I would like to do is just look at those three kind of big statements. The one that was just look at us and then, hey, but, but I don't have money, but I do have something else to give. Uh, and, and then I would like to talk about that, the idea of just grabbing them and saying, stand up and walk. And I, I think we got some things that will apply to us today. So the first part, just that, that look at us. Give me your attention. They stared intently at him. They made a human connection that I think doesn't happen very often with almsgiving or when we give to the poor, those who would beg. Um, it's, it's sometimes rare that we even look at them and smile. Could we do that could, as a people? Could we do that? Could we at least look at them and smile? Even if it's just driving by in the car real fast, can you just give, they're human, you know, give them attention. Something that's happening that's going to happen is going to involve a, a deep connection, a deep human contact, and the deep work of God. But when they told him to look at them, the beggar is looking up at them. What does he see? What do, they, what does the, what do the people notice when they look at the apostles? What do the people notice when they look at you? Well, one of the statements that comes up later is, wow, they've been with Jesus. 
I think we should just sit with that for a minute. Hey, look at me. Look at my life. See me. I see you. See me. And what are they going to see? Do they notice that, that we've been with Jesus? I wonder about that for our for our friends on social media. I wonder, do they see you've been with Jesus? Has Jesus rubbed off on you? Has his power and his presence rubbed off on you in such a way that when people experience you, they experience Jesus? Peter and John, as well as the other apostles, have walked and talked with Jesus. They've been apprentices to his signs and wonders. His teaching with authority and the confidence has rubbed off. So don't forget that human connection. Just look at us. I think we can take that with us when we go and we can ask people to look at us and look at our lives and do I look like Jesus? Isn't that the whole point? We're becoming more and more like Jesus. So that's the first thing. But then the, the second statement, what, what do I have to give? What do I have? What do I have to give you? I, but such as I have, give I thee in the, in the King James. So what, what do I have to give what, what do I have to give you? What, what is it that we have? Think about that for a minute. We have the good news of forgiveness through Jesus. <laughs> By grace you have been saved through faith. We have the good news of forgiveness and, and connection with God. And that connection with God will, will, will also show that we have the power and presence of God. We're the temple space of God. You have the power and presence of God. That's not nothing. We have the ability to stand in the gap and pray for people. Oh, you don't have access to God? I do. Can I offer that to you? I can go between you and God and, and pray for you. We have the love of God to share with other people. Yeah, I don't have a lot to offer you. My pockets are empty. My heart's pretty hard. But you know what? Actually... God is generous, and he's poured his love into me so he can pour it out of me. This is something about the poor that you need to understand. The poor don't have access, they don't have options, and they don't have opportunities. Now, we could say, well, they have some, 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 but as a rule, that's what's lacking. Access, options, opportunities. Okay? This guy doesn't even know how to ask for healing. He doesn't even know that he should ask for healing. But it's about to change, isn't it? Sometimes we don't give the, the broken a good hard look like we should. And they avert their eyes, uh, and we avert our eyes out of some sense of shame. But do you have hope for them? Do you have a God who can change them? The thing about the, thing about the kingdom of God is that that the poor and the rich come together here. I don't may not have cash, but I have access. And maybe I can coach you on some options and open up some opportunities. In fact, join the family. There's good you can do, and you can share in the good of others as well. You know, I'll bet a brother in our, in our family could get you a job, and some of us could support you while you train, and, and we can get you back on your feet. Right? That's something that, that we as a family of God can do. And, and in fact, uh, the city of Issaquah is going to start asking us. I've been engaging in lots of great questions and, and conversations. And 
and we're going to start having opportunities to do this. So access options and opportunities. Do we have that as a church? Absolutely. How can we start stepping in um, and say, hey, look at us. What do I have? What I have, I will give you. And so let's do that. And what did they say? They said, stand up and walk. Now, they said in, in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. Okay, it's not just in, you know, in the name of Peter and John and, hey, I'm a great guy and I appreciate that. No, it's in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And what does it say? He was walking and leaping and praising God. Now, there's a precedent for this. In that day, when God does a new thing, the lame will be walking and leaping and praising God. The, the acts of the apostles, the work of the Spirit is actually ringing a bell back in Isaiah chapter 35. I want to read that to you. There's going to be this day coming. And the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It, it will blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Wow, this is a picture of Eden, the Garden of Eden springing up again. The desert will be made a, a, a place of beauty and, and rejoicing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The glory of Lebanon, that's the cedar. The cedar trees, that's, that's temple language. When Lebanon was the, were the forests that, that were brought down, those trees and, and the, the temple of God was built up. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of Yahweh, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. God is, himself is going to come and save us? Well, what will happen then? Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. This is a new creation just sweeping through the land. Desert, wilderness springing up with brand new creation. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. <laughs> That's what Jesus' followers were called, the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. You can't miss this road. If you walk in the way, you're on it. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast come up upon it. They shall not be found there. But the redeemed of the Lord will walk there. The ransomed of Yahweh shall return and come to Zion with singing, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Luke, the author of Acts, is telling this story, reminding you that new creation is just spilling out 
of these people. It's a foretaste of the kingdom that's coming. It's a promise of the coming era when there will be no more sorrow, a glimpse of Eden. The lame will leap and rejoice. New creation is wholeness, completeness, the way of holiness, everything in right relationship to God and everything else. Peter and John encounter a man who was broken. And all he could ask for was a handout. He couldn't imagine being made whole. They didn't think to ask for that. I want you to think about this. His prayer life was enough to sustain his broken life. His prayer life was just enough to sustain his broken life. But Jesus had wholeness on his mind for the man, and he has it for you as well. Brokenness kept this man out of the temple precinct due to rules that excluded impurity and deformity, but Jesus has wholeness on his mind. Brokenness kept this man's ankles in, in deformed relationships with his legs, and his muscles couldn't support his body, and Jesus had wholeness on his mind. New creation is wholeness and completeness. Everything in right relationship to God and everything else. See, broken people pray broken prayers. It's because they don't even know what to ask for. In fact, sometimes broken people just lay out a, a list of things. And God, could you do this? God, could you do this? God, could you do this? Broken people pray broken prayers, but Jesus is healing us, right? And he's making us whole. And our prayers can become whole prayers united with God's heart. When we pray in the name of Jesus, new things happen. It was true then and it, it's true now. It, it turned a disabled man who was outside the temple to a worshiper inside the temple. It's like, I'm going in with these guys now that I have been made whole. But I'd like you to think about this question. Would you step out and command someone like that? Stand up, be made whole. Look at me, stand up and walk. Would you do that? You know, they, they didn't even have a prayer meeting. Did you notice that? They just acted in partnership with God. As we close, let me talk to you a little bit about prayer. Because I want you to think about where did they get their confidence that they, they didn't just gather around and have a prayer meeting. They just said, stand up and walk. That's what I've got to give. <laughs> Peter and John had been following Jesus a while, hadn't they? And they had had their worlds turned upside down by him. Well, there's a pattern. Follow Jesus for a while. Have him turn your life upside down. They began to believe that Jesus was truly the Son of God and the source of life. Their prayers were a partnership in his work to reconcile and restore. Is that what your prayers are like? Are we listening in to the Spirit's prayers? 
You know, Jesus is praying for you right now. It's the only thing that keeps you saved is Jesus lives to intercede for us, to stand in the gap. As you listen in to heaven, are you hearing Jesus's prayers for you? And are you being an answer to Jesus's prayers for you? Are you stepping in with confidence? Now, see, see, some of you, you feel like you work for God. Yeah. Uh, you're like an employee earning his wages, trying to pass that next review. You toil and sweat and try to please God with your work. Oh, I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy. You identify as servants, right? I'm a servant of God after all. But guess what? <laughs> Jesus told his disciples, uh, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Because I'm going to share with you my work. You're going to be partners with God in his work. United in the Trinity, working not for God, but with God. So I want you to think about that. In my prayer life, am I, am, am I acting like I'm just working for God or am I partnering with God? That's, that's the beginning of a process of discipleship that that comes to a point where, where these apostles have such an intimacy with God that they can just say, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. It's a prayer that knows it's going to be answered because of time spent with God. We pray in his name, in his power, in his will, not my will be done, but your will be done. So here's just a little soul training for you. Please take me up on this. Start with the Psalms, Hebrews prayer, the Hebrew prayer book. Just start with the Psalms and, and then move to the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and so on. Start, then go there and then pick up some of, some of the apostles' prayers like Paul and, and begin to just start praying those things because this is the deal. <laughs> Everywhere Jesus stepped, New creation sprang up, healing, beauty, food, love, you know, just reconciliation, forgiveness, all this. Everywhere the apostles stepped, new creation would spring up. People would be healed. People would be restored. Forgiveness would be granted. Everywhere we step, new creation springs up. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when you enter a dry and broken space, God's presence enters with healing and wholeness? I do. I do. I believe that's, that's how we can enter a room. That's how we can enter a party. That's how we can enter a space at work. We can enter in knowing that God is bringing healing and wholeness into a dry and broken space. He can take our broken prayers, prayed by broken people, heal us and make us whole so we can start to pray whole prayers that work in partnership with God so that new creation can spring out. Ultimately, when we pray for healing, we know that the, there's only one guarantee of healing, and that's when new creation comes fully and finally. But the more we dial in to God and say, God, what do you want me to pray for this person? We can be agents of healing and hope for our community.